Hi, this is Tony Silva. And Charles Wiz. And it's episode 113, Two Teachers Talking. And today, we're, Charles and I can be talking about uh, things that are beyond our control. Yeah, like, <laughs> for example, like weather. Most, so, like, like most things, I think, um, you know, actually, I don't know. And that's, and that's, that's, interesting. that's what makes it an interesting topic, is, like, really trying to figure out um, what is beyond our control and what do we have control over. Um, and it, we have some ideas, but those ideas sometimes might not be accurate, right? Yeah, well... What we don't have control over is so much bigger than what we do have control over. One would is think, my, yes. One would, th- right, would think. I mean, it's, that's, I think, almost in a sense what teaching is, is an attempt to exert control over variables that seem impossible to rein in and then do the best you can given the circumstances. Mm. I think most teachers would agree with that. But I, it's, it's a strange topic because I don't usually... It it ends up being a topic where people complain about, but don't really address. Yeah. If you go into a teacher's room, that's like, you know, they'll talk, people will complain about things, but we don't see it actually as a problem to be addressed or something within the realm that can be, um, what's the word I'm looking for here, that we can somehow find some kinds of solutions, minimal solutions or uh, basic solutions. coping mechanisms for that and that's i think what we want to try looking at yeah today. because you know by definition if it's beyond our control there's nothing we can do about it except cry about it well, <laughs> be a very short podcast right exactly so yeah take a, a, a little examination of that and see if maybe we can we can crack something on that all right so you have a um the story i think you told a <laughs> yeah it's an old story ago. it's an old story it's an old been, story but it's a good one but it's though, been about told, beyond it's been told here before but you know like um uh, I heard on another podcast, you know, every day someone is born and never seen the Flintstones. And, uh, yeah. For people who- <laughs> Gee, that's really going far back, Tony. <laughs> for those of you who don't know what the Flintstones are, I would suggest you Google it. It was a... Well, there was a recent movie made of it in the, in the 90s. <laughs> with, yeah, with John, with John Goodman, I think, right? Did I, you see it? No, I did not. I didn't. I, I think nobody saw that movie. Yeah, and uh, and obviously I'm talking about the original television <laughs> series animation from the '60s. But yes, it was, it was a Saturday that. morning cartoon, wasn't it? It was a um, no. It was in the in, in the evenings. It was prime time. Really? Right. Wait, cartoons were in prime time. Yeah, I don't remember that. Yeah. Well, I'm older than you. Not by much, though. Hmm. Well, things happen fast. That's true. <laughs> Anyway, I think we're di- okay. Beyond our control <laughs> is our ability to okay, digress. Okay, we're, we're gonna have to like tag the, tag the the Wikipedia link for the Flintstones or something. I don't know. Oh yeah, do something like that. Yeah, yeah because that was back when you had the pre. They were a prehistoric family in the town right? of Bedrock. Right, and at the same time, <laughs> the, modern the Jetsons age, were a modern Stone Age family. Right, and then there was the modern futuristic family, the Jetsons. There you go. I remember. So you could go back in time or forward in time. Okay, so things beyond our control. <laughs> like time. Time. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and, the and then, but anyway, television. the old story. Um, Go, please. Yeah, where I was, and this is, this is, whoa, this is going, this is going back almost 20 years, I think, um, where I was teaching a reading class, and uh, first day of class, there's a student in the front row, which is unusual all by itself, and then as I'm, you know, starting the class, there's almost some other you know, oddities, and then realize that, yes, well, um, this student is blind. And, you know, I keep going, you know, <laughs> the show must go on. And then go to the office and say, hey, guys, um, there's been a mistake. <laughs> um, there's a blind student in my class. And they go, no, it's not a mistake. Oh, no, it's not, it's a, not mistake. a mistake. It says, well... Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know how this works. <laughs> if the student can't see, how will she be able to read? He says, oh, well, we have a translator, and if you give us your material a week in advance, we will have the translator translate your 
material to Japanese Braille, and she can read it that way. And I says, well, that's really not going to work. <laughs> but we soldiered on, et cetera, et cetera. But that's one of those things that, you know, beyond your control, there is a blind student in your class that you're supposed to teach reading, and the school's not going to change it, and you're left on your own to figure out whatever solution you can. So, okay, yeah, right. There's that, that's but, a pretty extreme example, but there you are. I, I do want to explore this just a little bit more. So their their solution was that we're going to translate. It's an English reading class. Mm -hmm. And we're going to translate the English into not I don't know, English Braille, right. but right. Japanese Braille. So what is she going to be I don't understand. I didn't. So, so what did you say to them? What did you say to them? Did, what, they, what, did, what, can you you communicate? what can okay, you so, say? What can you say? So the decision was made. So definitely, even their understanding was beyond your control. Correct. And you see, I was going to say that one thing that's beyond my control is that I can't get people to understand how absurd <laughs> the the solution is. Yeah, our, our our listeners understand. <laughs> okay, I think people who right anyone listening to this 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 podcast. It's just nodding their heads right now on the train. Yeah, help, yeah. Oh, I get yeah. it. Yeah, 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 I get it. Uh, yeah. Sure, it makes yeah. sense to me. <laughs> I've, I've had that's happened to me too. Yeah, been there, done that. <laughs> okay, all right. So we start off with a, an a, extreme example of things beyond our control. So I think Tony, we can break beyond things beyond our control into what three areas? I guess like, so. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I, I'd say what. The, stu classroom, the students, the students, the students them themselves, the students themselves, classrooms, facilities, and then administration, and then they they bleed over a little bit, but that's basically the three categories, I guess. And under and where would we put curriculum? Uh, admin, administration, admin, yeah. Okay, so we've got three areas where we can look at things that are beyond our control. So let's start with the students. Everybody understands this one. Right, you walk into a class, and sometimes you get an advanced class, and you look at you after the first day, you say, there's really something wrong here. Uh -huh. You want to go back and say, excuse me, but can I ask you some questions about your assessment mechanisms <laughs> and placement? Well, that's always, a, that's always a bugaboo, right? But uh, even, right. Be, even before that, right, so because um, a big factor with, this, with, with that situation is what school you're at. Okay, so let's start with the, le <laughs> so the, the, level the university of the itself that you're, that you're teaching uh at um is gonna you know you, it is what it is and you're not going to change it i mean you might be able to make some small impact on the class you have but there are some schools and there are some other schools and that's going to largely affect the what kind of students you're going to have in the room all right then you've got then the, you've got what you said the the the, the tracking or the the assessment and whatever they're going to do their ma majors that's you know what their major is. Sometimes they're mixed. Sometimes they're separate. That you've got no control over. So all of that impacts like the, what you see when you walk into that classroom on the first day. This is true. I think there's also something else I want to point out about the school, which is that we're not just talking about the levels of the school. Mm -hmm. We're also talking about the general attitude within the school or within that department or that faculty, how the students act, how they behave, what are the expected behaviors and attitudes towards learning. So you could be at a pretty good school where the attitude could not be the most optimal. Right. So or what's considered wanna... a good school, yeah. Right, what's considered a good school, you can go in and kind of like say, excuse me, what is going on here? These students have some of the worst, you know, most incredibly disrespectful or they have absolutely no interest in learning. <laughs> I teach and there. Really... <laughs> I teach there. <laughs> you do too. <laughs> a different one. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so okay so instead of just so we've pointed out that okay you there's the classroom situation and there's a variety of things based on the school so you walk into a classroom let's say what are some of the strategies you've used to deal with i mean it's a funny thing to say but how do you deal with stuff that's beyond your control let's say you walk into a classroom and you've gotten let's say mixed majors and mixed abilities that's, I think, something. And you can't change that, right? This is the class you've been given. Right. What, or any, I don't know any scenario you're thinking of, Tony, but let's see if we can get some concrete responses, you know, things that the teachers can do 
to somehow, you know, bend, warp, twist, hammer these kind of situations into something workable. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, you go ahead. It's, 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 it's what I was going to say is that I think that these are very unconscious behaviors, actions we do. Um, we don't really think about it because first off, I want to see if I'm going to go someplace. Maybe that's not very common here. My first reaction to these kinds of situations, especially when I realize something's beyond my control in a non, not a good way, not a good way. And that's what I think we're talking about, right? We're not talking about when you luck out, get really lucky. Right. Cause that's not a problem. That's not a problem. <laughs> you just kind of, yeah. Um, is that feeling of just frustration, powerlessness, um, just disappointment, sadness. That's the first thing that happens when I realize, okay, and let let me set like the setting. And I think most, a lot of people who have taught will understand this. You go in, it's first day of class, you walk in and all of a sudden you realize everything is going wrong. Um, The students are, you know, not interested or something's happening and that feeling of frustration arises. Yeah, sure. We've, t- we've talked about that with, um, we talked about school culture and things. Right, right. And, and it's s- more likely one place or another, but we, wherever it, school it is, we are aware of that. <laughs> we, right. Yeah. It's, 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 okay, it but given that, given that, even, you know, in situations, I'm talking about, let's say, where you're out of school and you've known that it's not been the most positive environment to teach, and then you walk in on the first day and you kind of go, yeah, okay, oh, here's another this one. Is re- this is really exceeding anything I've experienced here before. Or matching it. (laughs) Right. And so what happens with those, that feeling of frustration, which is going to come up is I try to stop myself and I try to look at my students and look at the school and say, okay, well, where are these students coming from in their lives? And the easiest way is to talk about socioeconomic status, for example. And that's a, yeah, yeah, I wanted wanted to talk about that because that's a big one. And again, talk about things that are outside your control. And, you know, recently there's been, Tons of, of research on this, and this is like the biggest factor, uh, or one of the biggest factors with determining academic success, because as you know, we're, we're talking about there's times that we are facing students in the classroom who don't know what it means to be a st- student in the classroom. Mm. They really don't know what's expected because they, they've never had to been held to any kind of standards of behavior, etiquette, etc. Either at home or at the school. Um and, you know, as they say in a way, that's why hard. But um yeah, I guess, I guess you've got several options. Um one, um you can continue to or, or begin to as we're talking about the beginning of a semester, begin to or continue to throw more energy at them um until until that drives you crazy or kills you. Uh, or you have no more energy left and then right. you burn out and quit the field. Right. Right, right, right. So that's that that's one option. Um the other is to you know just adjust your expectations slash goals, etc. accordingly. Um I think in time, in cases like this, it, it and this is this is me talking. Um, it can be helpful to consult peers, um, check how other because because in the situation that we're describing, you're you're not the only one. Everyone else is in the same boat, pretty much, and all the other teachers. And ask, you know, what are they doing? How are they handling it? And um, I know some teachers who kind of thrive in class in classes that other people would like avoid, like the plague. They not only do well, but they kind of enjoy it. I don't know what they're doing. I would like to find out. And then again, this is one of those Can things to ask, demog- right? Can I get some demographic information, like how long have those people been teaching? Uh, long time. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think what happens in that situation is you you get really experienced teachers who really love those classes. And then you have young teachers who are really fresh and they can teach anything because they're just so excited, but they don't know whether or not they're being successful. That's part of the problem. Uh But yeah, so I think it's a good idea to talk to people because there are, I think there's a certain kind of teacher who does thrive in this. But that's that's not a very large group, do you think? Probably not. And... I, I think. I mean, how many people off the top of your head can you think of who would actually fit that bill? Um, I can think of three or four. In, and I think that long, long time ago, when I was young, um, I might have been one of those people. Cause, um, I think I was one I of cut, those I cut, people. When I came to teach in Japan, I cut my teeth in a school where, um, yeah, teaching was hard. Yeah. These, these were not yeah. your, your optimal students, right? This was um, when this was at Semongako, and the people you know there were there were people who couldn't get into universities uh, just after the the bubble burst, and that's who I was teaching. And that's if you're teaching at a university now, you can imagine what students who couldn't get into a university might be like. Mm. <laughs> Baptism by fire. Well, just to I don't want to move into this kind of confessional mode, but. My first three years of teaching were working at a peer counseling program at an urban high school in San Francisco. Mm, mm. And I was working with at-risk youth. And I could work with them really well. I, in fact, I remember one time a teacher came to me and complained about a student. And I was like, they were talking about this disrespectful student who had a really bad attitude, who was acting out in class. And I said, are we talking about the same student? Because this was a student <laughs> who was incredible in my classes, right? Mm. We had teachers of records and, you know, we were like doing that kind of work. And then I came to Japan and worked at a Tandai, um, a junior college. Again, not the highest level academic. It would be just the step above a semon, I think, would be the best way to put it. But it would be an all-women's situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was one of those teachers. I loved, you know, said, give me the classes that nobody else can teach. Mm-hmm. But and this is this is a sad thing to say, but there's no way I would volunteer for that now. I used to be that teacher, and if anybody's been teaching for a long time and still can maintain that, I'm gonna you know we need to interview them for the podcast. That's actually a very good idea. I know somebody, and I, I think I, then I'm let's gonna, do I'm that. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna grab this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think that's someone who's gonna be able to give us some real good suggestions. Mm. Because what's and I happened, believe he's he's also kind of one. Like, you know, at one university or another, like a, a Teacher of the Year Award kind of thing. Some kind of recognition. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to finger this guy. Yeah, oh, This is somebody in Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, great. Because that's incredible. We should just stop the podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> to be continued Tune in later. later. But, yeah, it's good to t- talk to people. I mean, that's part of the biggest problem. What's beyond our control is often that we're in silos. We don't communicate with other people. We don't share the ideas. There's not enough time, I think, during the breaks to, especially if you're in the teacher room. And often I'm not even in the teacher's room. I tend to stay in my classroom. Yeah, I do too. I avoid the I don't room. talk to anybody. Uh, so that's somehow, that's one way to deal with that. Okay, so you walk into the class, you get some students, you, and things don't look right, you lower your expectations, you try to adjust for the situation that they've come into. Um, the one thing I wanted to add, Tony, onto the socioeconomic situation is that in Japan, there's actually, they've been tracked since, junior, since they got into junior high school to a, big, to a large right. degree, right? If once they pass elementary school, I think they, try, they test to get into junior high yeah. schools. Yeah. And if you get into a good junior high school, you have a, real, a pretty good chance of getting into a good high school. But if you don't get into a good junior high school, the likelihood of you getting into a good high school diminishes quite rapidly. Yep. And so by the time you're getting students who are at a university, let's say, that is not, does not have the best reputation academically, you're looking at students who have pretty much been tracked most of the time yeah the, the 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 cards have been dealt right and there's like what's the reason for them to even want to adapt so that's what one thing i do to try to keep myself measured in responding to them um in terms of the socioeconomic thing uh 
one of the things I do, it's beyond my control. They're not used to being students. They don't know how to be students. And if I'm going in and teaching once a week, you know, for 90 minutes over 30 teaching sessions, there's not a lot that I'm going to be able to do to change in terms of their, their, you know, classroom skills, their student skills. Minimally, what I do, though, is I get very demanding about manners. Mm-hmm. So at yeah, least minimally, yeah. I can, that's my thing, mm-hmm. you know, close the door <laughs> when you walk in the room when the heater or air conditioner's on. Say thank you, say excuse me. Because, for example, at one school I work at, and I've almost never seen this before, students will walk behind me to go to their seats. <laughs> you know, they'll actually get up on the area where uh-huh, the teacher uh-huh, is. Uh-huh. And I have to stop them and say, you do not do this. You know, maybe I'm crazy this way, but I'm kind of like, you know, I've got student papers in front of me. I've got my computer open with, you know, attendance and spreadsheets. This is, this is my area. And I've never seen that except at one school. I don't know. Have you ever seen that before? Uh, I'm going to say no. Right. So I would, if it happened, of, I would remember, I think. Right. Most students know that you do not do that. Yeah. And I see this every time I teach at this one school. This, you know, and I want to, I'm wondering what's going on. Like maybe, you know, do they do it just to me or is it just to the Japanese? There's another thing beyond our control is the attitude students have towards um, Japanese professors and non-Japanese professors. There are certain attitudes and things that go on there that I think are beyond our control. I don't know that that is so much beyond our control because, because you, you, as I was listening, you talking about that. It's like I really don't, I don't have any sense of how they think of or treat their Japanese professors versus their non-Japanese professors, Um, and in. And again, I'm I'm lucky. I'm very very lucky that I that I teach at a lot of good schools. Um, I don't, except for you know one exception, I don't have that issue. Um, my students, eighty six seventy percent of my students, based on university, um, very respectful um, of the rules of me of each other. Um, yeah, it's not it, it it's not an issue. And again, it's, it's partly where I'm teaching. There's one school where it is, and I and I know exactly it, it's exactly with all the things you just talked about about the social economic background, um, what schools they've gone to, what their home situation has been like. Yeah, it's just a question of manners. They just don't have the manners, mm. and I don't know that that necessarily is going to be different um, for Japanese and non-Japanese. Though it certainly could be. But I've never, I've some, never thought about it much. This is something I've heard from other teachers, where they feel that they're being treated, the students treat them differently than they would. Um, it comes out most often, be, maybe because of language limitations, but in emails, where you know students will just uh, not have any of the appropriate, you know, simple thank you or something. Hmm. But I hear that more from other teachers. I don't tend to have too much of a problem there. I mean, as I say, most of the school, you know, where I teach, I teach at a pretty good school, and the other one's pretty good, reasonably, so I can't, you know, complain too much. There's one place that I've taught that, again, it's, I think you're right, it's dependent on uh, the level of the school and the socioeconomic status. But that's been my big shtick for a long time, is that it's a teacher's responsibility to teach those students' manners so that at least you can equalize something, right? Because we do know that, or it seems to appear that if the parents come from a higher socioeconomic status, the students tend to have better manners. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? And, and, and no, one of my schools, I'm continually surprised by when, when people in classroom discussions start talking about their families and things. How many of the, the kids at this particular school have parents who are doctors, <laughs> professors, <laughs> teachers? It's like it, it, it's like more than fifty percent. It's 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 way off the statistically. It's way off the charts. It's just it's really pretty amazing. Um, to the just to backtrack just a little bit when you, what you're talking about email, and this is a, a very hardcore practical tip. Um. 
this year, I don't, I'm so, so stupid, I don't know why it took this long, um, but what we talked a long time ago about Text Expander, and they were actually, you know, very nice and sponsored. We had some, some giveaways a few years ago. Yeah, it's a while ago, yeah. Yeah. Um, now I have a email etiquette text expander thing. So whenever a student sends me an inappropriate email, like, bam, there, it goes back, and it's got the attachment with the, with, the, with the text expander explaining this and that. Because they, um, and this is the good, this is the good school, um, they're not taught. It's and yes. I, 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 you know, so I can't get angry at them because they have not been taught. But uh, we, you know, what can you do about it? It's like, well, it's about, oh yeah, you, you can wring my hands. I was like, well, no, I make myself a text expander snippet, and when they get the response, they get all the expectations, all the rules and links and stuff, and with an explanation. It's like this is important for you. <laughs> this is. You're going to need to do. You need to do this when you contact any professor. You're going to need to do this when you are have a job, etc., etc., etc. Because they very, they're very familiar with Line and Facebook uh, and personal communication. And because they're using the same medium, like the keyboard or their phone, to talk to a teacher, um, they don't have the transition. They don't understand that there's a wall. That there's a difference. Um, and that that little attachment, that little blurb, explains. Yeah, there is. <laughs> There's a difference, and this is what you do. And when you explain it as manners, they 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 grok it because you know in society in Japan, manners is is a lot closer to right and wrong than it is like for us. It's just it's like it's like well, you're uncouth or you're you know whatever. It's, it's not necessarily make you a bad person. Because you can have terrible manners and be a great person. You may not know how to hold a fork. doesn't make you a pariah, right? You can be a genius. You just don't know how to eat. But over here, the, it's, it's, a, it's a lot more cl- closely identified manners and ethics or morality. A good person has good manners. <coughs> Contrary to any observation. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not sure if I completely agree. <laughs> contrary, with contrary that. to evidence, my 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 reality is different from yours. Mm. I think, but this is an interesting thing. Mm. One of the things I do on the first day of class is explain how to write an email to me. Cool, right? I say you have to address it. You have to have a subject line, and I say the subject line has to be, you know, you have to include, for example, the class. What class is it? And then I say, and then there's a thing you always have to do. You always have to say. Dear professor, or dear mister, or hello. Just I said, just as you would in Japanese, and we I show them the similarities between a Japanese email. Uh, and I'm going to segue into something that's really beyond our control in a minute or two. But I do model that. It's a couple of things is number one, Tony. When um, and for people who are listening, um, text expander is one of those things everybody should get. It's just it's an incredible. Th- app that just saves you an incredible amount of time. What's really cool is that they give you the monthly statistics report. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And my, my question to you is like, is like at the number one part list is like, your email is rude, must be like really high up there. <laughs> or it would be for me. But one of the things I'm going to say is that what you think is beyond your control sometimes is you just have to be really explicit about things that you assume that they know. Yes. And they they just text each other. And they don't understand, for example, the the idea of reply, that you click the reply button on an email because they, they'll, they'll send a message back and you have no idea what they're talking about because they're so used to texting. And this is what's beyond our control, Tony, is the problem for Japanese students to transfer their learning. To take something, a concept or an idea, and actually apply it to a different situation. And this is something I find that's very frustrating and beyond my control. I don't know if you find it this way, but here's an example, is a simple example. As I teach my students, you always have to say thank you. You always have to say thank you. Do you understand? You have to say thank you when somebody gives you something. You say you're welcome, thank you, nice talking with you, etc. Now, I could pretty much get my students, I can hand them paper, they'll say, thank you, you're welcome, here you are, thank you, you're welcome, they'll know to say it to their other students. Then, at let's say we do a midterm, 
and I, I call the student's name and I will say thank you. And 95% of the students, 98% of the students won't say you're welcome. Because they only learned to do something under a specific condition. And they don't understand that what you've taught them applies to multiple different conditions or various different situations. And that's something that's very frustrating, but I've seen that consistently, Mm -hmm. right? Mm. Um, You explain something in email and they'll send you another email and they will not apply what they learned. It doesn't make sense to them. So when we talk about things that are beyond our control, one of the things is that the the inability of students to take overall, I'm just looking at a large aggregate statistical number, right? I'm not saying individuals don't do this and that there are certain individuals who do it or don't do it. But if I look at it overall, I see students who cannot undertake the concept of saying thank you and you're welcome constantly. I said, whenever somebody does something and then apply it to another situation when I call them up to hand me their test or papers or I pass papers back to them. And that is something I've realized that I have to create multiple situations and train them for that. But that is something that's beyond my control that I find very difficult to deal with. Mm, mm, mm. I don't know if you find the same thing, but the transfer of learning, you teach them a skill. Mm -hmm. And here's an example. This was an interesting, or I found it an interesting thing, and the students really got upset with me. Um, There's uh, One of the courses is to help students become independent learners. So I taught them how to research, if they're reading an article, how to research, get background information, how to make a plan, how to deal with something. And then you give them, okay, your teacher, your professor has given you an assignment. You have to read a 10-page journal article in in English, and then your teacher wants you to make a presentation for it, et cetera, and you have to plan it. So we go through, how would you do this? How would you break down the tasks? And out of curiosity, for just a quiz, and I wanted to see, you know, check um, how well they could apply what they learned. I said, okay, what happens if you're working at a company and your your boss, your manager, your section chief says, hey, we need you to write an app and we understand that you don't know any coding, but we're going to give you six months and we want you to create a simple application to solve this one problem. Basically, it's the same task, right? Investigate it, learn what's available, see what's been done, research, check which resources are available to you, get the background information, compare your current knowledge, see who you can talk to. Basically, it's the same task. And every one of them, basically, no, out of, out of 90 students, eight were able to actually take what they had learned and understand, ah, I used it, this is a similar task. It's just a different kind of task. And you're very quiet. Mm. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm digesting. And I think um, some of that might be due to something that we've talked about before, that we assume that because we have, quote-unquote, taught it, that they have... Gotten it. Gotten it, or even, <laughs> or even understood it. Uh, this we situation, all, we all we all <laughs> overestimate students' understanding of what we tell them. I think. Well, in this situation, I can tell you that I had checked them. They had produced good material. They had produced. Um, so it was a generalization problem. It was not a. No it was a general. Problem. It was. It was. It was a transfer of learning yep, problem. Yep, yep. Right. They could not understand that they could use the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm talking about when students do get it, when they do understand, you've checked it, okay. you've made sure of it, and then you say, ah, look, I'm going to give you a, um, a, a similar task, but in a different field or area. This is something that I find is r- really beyond my control. That's Japanese students, my college students, just are very weak at that. That they just don't, are not able to see the connections. Ah, wait, I can take this and use it here. And that, and that is, yeah, very, uh, I think, reliably attributed to, you know, the, the, the education system here, where it's, it's all fact-based and information-based rather than 
task-based or learn, you know, actual analysis and, uh, as you just said, transfer to different situations. No, it's like, what's the answer? <laughs> a, it's focused on the answer, not like on the how or being able to create something, analyze something, and synthesize something. Um, yeah, that's something that they haven't been taught to do. Yeah. And the problem is then the reason it's beyond my control is if I get the students for one semester <laughs> or even a year, Yeah, you know, it's only 30 sessions. Yeah. I can't get them there. Right. So I'm just saying that this is something that... Beyond your control. It's beyond your control. Yep. And that's, I think, one of the real frustrating ones for me. But Sure. All right. Let's so move on to we've, classroom stuff. Yeah, exactly. Think, right. Facilities stuff. Go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, all of us, you know, at, at the beginning of the year, we're assigned to different classrooms and... Uh, each whatever the classroom is you may have had some input they might have you know what do you need they might not <laughs> um and each room will have different facilities you know whether it's got wi-fi or a wired connection or anything at all you know a projector or a monitor or monitors um what kind of you know whiteboards blackboards movable desks enough chairs too many chairs etc etc so um, that usually is pretty much out of your control. But um, the thing that I want to say about that is um, make, sh you know, find out. Maybe, maybe you do have some control over that. Maybe you can, for example, in, in the previous year, previous semester, um, request a specific classroom or that your classrooms have certain facilities. Don't just assume because someone's making the decision somewhere that you don't have any input into that, you might have input. So it may not be beyond your control. Um, and it kind of is on to you to, to find out about that. You know, who is it that assigns the rooms? Um, talk to them. <laughs> um, find out what those decisions are based on. Because sometimes it's just random, right? They... they they're not these people are not educators um you know they're administrators they're just filling in dots and filling in spaces and it may be as simple as asking so before you bemoan things that are outside your control make sure that they really are because you may have more control than you think or you might not yeah always check if you can change rooms and the problem there is that people really don't tell you Right. These kinds of things, <laughs> which is beyond your control, which is part of the next so, section. So it's kind of like yourself. I mean, you've got you to take the initiative to find out. It's like, okay, what exactly, what input do I have? How much of control do I have over this? And it's, it's, it's on to you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's going to go into the next section. <laughs> Administration and things beyond our control. Yeah. Rooms, sometimes though, you just get stuck. Um in a room where they're doing construction across the, oh, in the next building God, to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, then there's just nothing you can do. <laughs> I, oh, okay. I, I had a great, I had a great semester once. This was at, at a university. They were, I, I had a classroom and they, the, con, the construction crew was actually working on the other side of the wall of the classroom with a jackhammer. <laughs> and... <laughs> When between classes, because the students were walking through the hallway, they stopped working, and the bell rang. <laughs> and seconds later, after the class began, the, the noise started up, and uh, I complained to the director. And yeah, of course, it's like, well, you know, gaman kudasai. Yeah, okay. So I said, <laughs> went back to the classroom. I says, you know, kids, I'm sorry, we can't have a class. In, under these conditions, I'm sorry. I know your your parents paid a lot of money for this, but we can't we can't hear each other talk. And um, I'm going to give you an assignment, and I'll see you guys next week. And that was it. I, I there was there was no way to teach in that room. <laughs> what happened the next week? 
Yeah, they they came and did their assignments. The, and construction moved. No, I meant it, was the construction still the moved on to farther down the hall, and it was bothering somebody else. Oh, I thought you were going to say that the construction moved on to a different wall. <laughs> <laughs> on the other side, yeah. Right. Well, no, we, we, we did go to another wall, but like somebody else's wall, not mine. Okay. Yeah. Right. That's that's. In those situations, I've I've had a couple of situations where there's just so much noise and there's fortune there's nothing you could really do uh the worst part is is when you get something like that in a listening class oh yeah right. or, or any right. kind of communication class right right where it's just or it's a lecture really because t- they can't hear when you're talking yeah anything yeah anything other than like a writing assignment that's not optimal but at least it's not impossible <sighs> well maybe it's a little bit easier now that a lot of the students have headphones yeah Right, and you know, at least it'll cut some of the noise out. Mm. I don't know. Are there any other situations where we talk about classrooms? Uh, ah, things beyond your control when you can't change classrooms and you get the classrooms with fixed desks that sure. are in the lecture yeah. position. Yeah. Ah, those are terrible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those are really, really terrible. What do you do in those situations? I mean, you have well, the if you can't change, around, you can't change. Course. Then you know, you you, right. you go you go to the office and you you, you plead and say, please, please, please. Or better, you, you, you find out who's in charge of the room assignments and you talk to them nicely and politely with smiles um, before the class assignments are made. And, you know, do your own diligence and find the classroom that you want and request it. Say, hey, I'd really like my class in 835 next year. Is that, is that you think that's possible, maybe? Yeah, that's the thing, though. You ha- if you get stuck in a bad classroom and you cannot change it, make sure that you, at the end of the semester, let somebody who's ever in charge of find out who the person is who can make that request. It's a and big the- difference. And if you tell them which room you want, they really do appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? it gives them some basis for theirs, because otherwise they're, 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 they have no idea what's happening in any of these classrooms or what, what's a good match. They, they have, like, the... the size of the class that's all they've got information they've got to go on they got the teacher's right. name and the class size that's it oh sorry about that <laughs> and then there's the other aspect which is when you say oh i need a better cl- i need a classroom that's really good for let's say group work or conversations well you're talking to someone most of the time who's never taught right they don't understand what you mean by that they might think you mean a smaller room or, uh, yeah. you know, for example. Go find the classroom you want and ask for it. Yes. So, for example, we have these two classrooms that are that seat about for 20 students. And they're very nice. Um, they're reasonably good classrooms. But in one classroom, you have oval-shaped tables that can seat about six or eight people. And in the other one, they have individual seats that can be moved around. But the problem with that classroom, <laughs> talk about things beyond your control, is that the individual seats don't have this, um, you know those those seats that have the tables built in and you lift up the table yep. and, uh, and usually they're about a two-third size yep. table so you can get in and out without having to lift up the table, right? Right. Well, in this room, every one of those seats is a full-size table. Hmm. So once you put your things down on the table... <laughs> You have to clear everything off the table so up. that you can lift the table so you can get out. Mm. Now, if I say that I'm looking for a room with movable seats, I'm going to get that room. <laughs> right? You understand exactly what I mean by this. Yeah. But that person doesn't understand. They'll say, oh, that, oh, I saw that room has Gave you exactly, movable seats. Exactly what you I'm wanted. Get, you, you get, be careful what you ask for. <laughs> so rem, keep in mind that one way to deal with things that are beyond your control or what appears to be beyond your control is by being clear to someone and not assuming that they understand what you're talking about. Always good advice. Especially if it's a non-teacher. Yeah, always good advice. Right, just always do that. I've got one that I don't know where it fits. I I don't know if it fits with the students or it fits with scheduling or whatever, but um, I have also noticed that this is like a, it's a kind of a bogey because it's not real obvious, uh, but it can have like a huge impact on, on your classes. Um, the other teachers that the students have. So who are the other teachers, especially 
um, if you have st- uh, your students, if all of them or half of them all are coming from the same class that precedes yours, uh, that's going to have a huge influence on your class. Now, what, whether it's positive or negative, that's a real crapshoot, and you got no control over that. <laughs> uh, and the whole set, you know, for in, in the week, your students have like a set of teachers, and who they are and how they teach and what the moods are in those classrooms is, is going to impact that, that, that group, that, that, that set of students, and it's going to have a, a huge impact on your class. Well, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind about that is whether or not it's a positive or a negative if the students have a class where the teacher's lecturing and they can sleep the whole class, whether that's a good <laughs> thing when, or a bad thing when they come to your class. Mm. That's a, that's an important point, right? They could be jazzed from the class before. They could be just totally burned out, bored out of their minds. Right. The other thing, Tony, this is, um, again, beyond your control. I'm not sure if it's administration or classroom also, is what period you, you're teaching. Sure. Third period, everyone's sleeping. Well, you know, this, I, told, I must First have told period, the everybody's late. This. Third period, everybody's asleep from lunch. Right. Ate too much well, I think. I, I remember when I came to a school and we're sitting around and meeting and there's a new class that has to be assigned and people are trying to decide which period they should put the class. And the f- one professor says, well, don't put it first period because everybody's going to be late because it's early in the morning and they're they're waking up late and they're sleepy. And everybody in the room goes, oh, good idea, good point. And then another professor says, well, don't put it second period because they're looking forward to lunch and they're hungry and that's all they're thinking about. And everybody goes, oh, that's a really good point. <laughs> and somebody says, well, don't do it third period because they're sleepy after lunch. And we're all going, yeah, right, good point, good point. And then the other professor says, don't do it fourth period because they want to go home. And they're all tired, yeah. <laughs> they're all tired. It's, there's, no good, there's no good period, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the period is important, what's happening beforehand. You know, are they an intact group? Also, um, in the classroom is, are they all, it's something you pointed out, are they the same majors? Right. Are they coming from the same faculties? Because again, of differences in the faculties and the attitudes and do they know each other and how comfortable they are with each other. So there's that. Should we move on to admin? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Where should we? This where 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 do we start? Uh, let's see. I guess we got. Uh, here's one of my favorite topics: coordination. Um, it depends how you know from school to school and case to case how much control you've got over what you teach. Uh, you may or may not have control of the syllabus. You may or may not have control of the textbooks. You may or may not have control of assessment. And the, the situation you're it whether. And any of those factors, that's pretty much all out of your control. I mean, whether whether or not you have control or not, that's a, that's a, that's fait accompli. So in some places you have complete freedom, and in some places you have almost none, and that's all decided for you. Mm. And some so, right. Mm. Go ahead, please. Oh, and so yeah. So in some cases, yeah, you'll be stuck with a syllabus that you don't value or don't agree with a textbook that you never would have chosen for yourself, and assessment tools that you feel are um, not really a good way of assessing what you've been teaching or what they've been learning. Hmm. And, um, and I think, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and I, I want to add on something to this, is that on top of what you've talked about, especially at coordinated programs, is how much trust and faith they have in the teacher's mm-hmm. ability to teach. Mm-hmm. I've I've taught at places where it's obvious that these people have no faith, or people have no faith or trust in the teacher's ability to, uh, you know, do things right by themselves. You know, everything is just, you know. I remember once, uh, I don't know if I've ever talked about this. I taught at a a very highly coordinated program. This is long time ago. This must be like twenty five years ago, and I go in and I'm given the first day syllabus. <laughs> or lesson plan, lesson plan, yeah. and it's it's literally minute by minute. Uh, I, it yeah, says, "I know what you mean." <laughs> uh, you, you know what I'm talking about. And it was a listening class, and it, I remember it said one minute introduction, two minutes take roll, three minutes do this, this, this. And I taught the the first class, and there's like a, a break afterwards or something, and person comes to me who's the coordinator and says, well, how was it? And I said, well, that was like a really, you know, me, I just put something in her face. I said, that was a really, really terrible lesson plan. 
And the person's like, well, why? I said, well, it's the first day of a listening class. I said, there's no time for me to walk around the room and talk to each student, you know? And what I try to do, I, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this, in like listening classes especially, is to go around the room at the first time and talk to people and, you know, ask a question on each side, right ear side, left side, oh, you know? Yeah, yeah. Right? And the person said, well, why would you want to do that? I said, because I'm checking their hearing. You're assuming that everybody has good hearing. And the person says, well, we don't think that's a legitimate reason. We don't think that's important. Exactly. And that's an example of a situation where, right, there was no trust. There was no respect for the other person's ability to teach that. So that's something beyond your control. And, that's, and that can be a really frustrating situation because if that's the predominant ethos or whatever you want to call it, uh, the um, environment, the atmosphere, sure. there's nothing you can do. Yep. Agreed. And uh, that's was, yeah, that's, you know, <clears throat> so you can get that. And it's especially common in coordinated programs, I think. In a certain way, by definition, right? A coordinated sure. program is kind of communicating that. Well, no, I mean, you could set up the, the coordinated program so that here are the goals and objectives and the outcomes we expect. Go, go for do it. it. So, yeah. Go do it. Right. And then, you know, we'll have the measures and you'll be able to see whether or not you accomplished it. And then you can reassess the material. And we'd like you to use the shared material. Right. Because it's coordinated. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how hard is that? Right. And if you're right, so anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we talked, I think, about the other time, something beyond your control. By the way, this is a warning sign. Remember where we said that whenever people say that your main responsibility is to motivate the students, uh -huh. it's probably coming from people who are not very good instructors. Uh, yeah. That's also, that's a warning sign that's beyond your control is when people feel that our job is to motivate the students to want to like English and want to learn. And you want to say, well, uh, what are you guys doing in your classes? But that goes back to what you just said. It's really important what's happening in their other classes, who their other teachers are. Are the other teachers inspiring? Are the other right, teachers... Right, because you're teaching, you're teaching most of the time just one period a week. Mm -hmm. They've got 15 other classes. Right. You're a very small part of their world. And a very unimportant part of their world for In most, most of cases, them. yeah. Because it's only English, after all. And it's one unit. Yep. Right. And it's not going to be that important for their career unless they're English majors or lit majors or something. Okay, so there's that aspect, right? The, <laughs> what's so funny? What are you I'm, I'm just seeing people slitting wrists all over <laughs> listening to this podcast. It's so depressing. <laughs> Well, no, it's, it's not. The, well, here's the thing that there are things you can do. Okay, now we turn it. There we go. Good. What can we do? What you can do? Slit your wrists. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, seriously. Here, the first thing is, and is rule number one is if you're you have an incredible amount of freedom, actually, if you don't broadcast what you do. I like that. Right. In other words, if you're in a situation where it seems like learning is not occurring and you're going to try to innovate, you're going to do things, and they might not be the kinds of things that traditionally fall. And I'm not saying go against the school rules. I'm just saying one of the things I've learned is if you're in a school that, um, or a university or a situation where the atmosphere, whether it's administrative or the students or whatever, is seems to be beyond your control and you start innovating, just do it, but make sure that, you know, you're achieving the learning goals, you're doing what you want. But in some of those university situations, if you tell people what you're doing, they will ask you to stop. Yes. So one of the things is if you're being successful and you're having success and it's within the domain of that school and it's meeting the outcomes and the requirements, one of the things to do is just continue to do it, but don't broadcast it. Okay. Sad, but true. Sad, but very sad, right? Because I've done that where you've had that yep. too, right, Tony, yep. where you, you get a real successful thing yep. and it's working in a school that has not been successful and then you share it and people say, we don't want you to do that. Yep. That's part of your built to fail theory. Yep. 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 Teaching at a medical school and uh, really 
pretty good students. Of course, the priority there was in German rather than English because people are stuck back in the 40s. Um, <clears throat> and um, It's actually 19th century, I think, when German was the <laughs> early 20th century, right? <laughs> German was the lingua franca of science. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway. So anyway, so it goes way back. And uh, yeah, so, okay, yeah, I'm going to... And in advance, yeah. There's this. There's this. And the, the students were pretty high level, small class, really geeky. He's like, "Hey, let's." Um, I was going to watch a few episodes of ER, and like then the discussion is like, "Big <laughs> Bigfoot came down on me." It's like, "Oh no, 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 no! You don't talk about anything. Don't talk about anything medical. Leave that to the their other classes. You just teach them English." Oh, Jesus. Oh, Lordy. Oh, Lordy, Lordy. Oh, Lordy, Lordy, Lordy. Exactly. God, don't you... I love that saying. I love it when uh, people do that. It expresses that feeling so well, doesn't it? it? Don't teach them anything. Just just stick to English. (laughs) Okay. Gotcha. Oh. So that's an example where you... Right. You should have just flown under the radar. Yes. I should have just done it without saying it. Yeah. Right. And it's really important here that you're doing your job and that this is a conscious decision that, ah, if I do this, I am meeting the requirements of the school. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Um, right? It's I'm within teaching the curriculum. It's relevant to it's within, future. It's like in, Right? No. It's, all, it's all justifiable. Everything you're doing ha- is justifiable. Then just do it and you'll get your results. Yep. What's the other thing people once say is that if you don't know something in Japan, you're uncertain about something in Japan, uh, especially in a university. Well, don't I'm ask. Uncertain of everything. What are you certain of? I'm. <laughs> that's a pretty pretty big. Path but you know there. what I'm. You know what I I'm, do I know mean what by you this mean. one. You know, like, is it okay if I use uh, if I use ER right yeah. in my classroom? Just use it and don't. Just ask use it. it because if you ask, you're, pro- they're, you're gonna they're, say they're, no. They're, there's probably going to be a rule against using it, even probably. though it's pedagogically valid. Mm. Okay, so one thing is, I think, is just fly under the radar, do your job as best as you can, is one way to avoid certain other things. I think the other thing also, by the way, is to include things in your syllabus. And anybody ever asks you anything, you know, to... You have it in the syllabus. Well, I, yeah, I leave right my, here. Whenever I have to or get to make my own syllabus, I always leave it as as vague as possible. Right, right. This class will use a variety of techniques, including audio, video, YouTube, TED Talks, etc. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Make a, your your syllabus vague and as expansive as possible. So that you so that you're covered, that you're covered, right? And you know, if you say, "Well, I, I submitted my syllabus," mm-hmm. I, I did this once. I kind of something similar to, a long time ago, and somebody said, "said Well, we hear you're doing this in your class," and I said, "Yeah." They said, "Well, uh, it's not you're not supposed to do that," and I said, "But it's in the syllabus, and of course you you asked us to submit our syllabuses, so syllabi." So I said, <laughs> "I assumed that you by." since I didn't hear anything back from anybody that you had checked it and approved it. <laughs> you should have seen the expression on that person's <laughs> face. <laughs> because it's like, yeah, well... Right, right. Uh, what did I do wrong here? <laughs> so here's... This is a, a thing that's really true, by the way. Things beyond your control. Somebody once said this to me, and it's, it's a really great thing in the sense that if you want freedom in Japan, follow the rules. It's a good statement. It's a very, it's really counterintuitive, but it makes a lot of sense. There are the rules. Once you understand what the rules are, then follow those rules and you can do a lot more within that right. because it works. And that's, it's a hard thing to understand unless you've been here for a few years. Mm. But pretty much everybody I know who's lived in Japan for a while, once you say that to them, they go, yeah, that's really true. Mm. So make sure you're... You know, crossing your T's, dotting your I's. As always, appearances. Appearances are important. Uh, That's another podcast, isn't it? Yes, the appearance of things is... The appearance of following the rules. ...is highly valued here. Right? So one of the ways of dealing with things that are beyond our control is actually figuring out 
well, what's really beyond our control if I just teach my class? Well, that, that's kind of key, isn't it? I mean, the whole thing is like determining what is within your control and what is not. And that's not as cut and dried and it's not as easy as it seems. It takes some work sometimes. Right. Yes. Yes. But investigate it. Yes. In other words, what might appear to be beyond your... I mean, some things you just can't do, right? Yes. The yes. the draw of students that you get or the interest of those students, the levels of motivation, and it can be good or bad. It can work to your advantage or any benefit. But you have to actually sit down and say, what can I really do here? Or can I not really do anything? And once you do that, then you have a better idea of what toolbox to bring right. to that classroom. And that would be the other thing, I think, when you think about what's beyond your control, is really think about what's in your teaching toolbox. Yeah, yeah, it's a good idea. And one thing that always is helpful is you should have a wide variety of you know short little games, one, two, three-minute games to play with students. Um, you should have the ability to tweak things really quickly. You should know how to just make small changes in... Uh, an activity or in a, um, you know, something that you have written down, some kind of document or something that you can say, ah, this isn't working. Let me just make a small change. And sometimes those changes are simply having students work independently, having them work in pairs, having them work in groups. So you have to do measure it. And I think also you have to test. You have to go out and try things out and see whether they work or not, given those situations. Anything else that you can think of? Mm, a couple of things. Um, you know, again, consult others because again, you you know, it's. Um, I like that one. Yeah. Well, yeah, I I don't, but I think it's a good idea. I should do it more um, to find out what other people are doing. Um, again, I think it's it's make as part of the you know needs assessment. We think mostly in terms of the student, but um, maybe we should also think about what resources really are or really aren't available and that could be just it could be classroom type things but it could be for example you know reading class do do the students ha do the students have access to graded readers hmm. yeah uh, uh, most of us don't know we don't we don't make the effort to explore and find out what what other kind of resources are, are available to the students on campus it gives you all kinds of things so just to f find out exactly what you've got to work with so make it part of your when your needs is not only that the student needs but what are your needs and what do you need to do to, to to achieve whatever goals that you hope to achieve in this particular class um as you talked about on a micro level in terms of the class and pulling out the games and, and tweaking activities and things um also realize at the beginning of the year or, or semester if it's a semester class um stay flexible enough so that you reframe your goals and expectations because that might have to might have to change um and when you come up against the wall and you you, you there are things that no you're not going to be able to change this then you know at a certain accept level it. accept it and don't beat yourself up about it and just move you on. can't do it you, you know just okay i'm not going to be able to do this and it's not my fault Okay, well, this is I, I'm gonna, I'm going to get two thirds of the way where I thought I could get, and there's nothing I can do about it. Hell with it. Okay, this is this is how it is, and don't 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 punish yourself for it. Can I add on to that for cool. just a second? Yeah. I think that's really an important thing you just said, Tony. Which is in this world, you'll hear a lot that our teachers are responsible for the students not learning. Especially in Japan, I, for sure, yeah. Right, yeah, right, that it's all the teacher's responsibility. Right. It's all the teacher's fault. I've never, ever heard a teacher ever say, well, you know, part of the reason my students don't learn is because of other teachers or, you know, to some degree, or administration, right? Right. And most of the teachers I know don't blame other people. Yeah. And that's something that's really true is that, you know, if a lot of what's happening in the classroom is beyond your control, that's the whole point here. Yep. It's, and, you know, I, we see this in America. There's, I think, what I perceive to be quite a, a serious attack on education sure, and teachers. Sure, And any person who's ever been in the classroom knows there's an incredible amount of variables. And one of the things that, I, that you just said is don't blame yourself. It's not 
all your fault. And in the same sense, you don't get to take all the credit either. Yep. That there's so many variables. So the key here is knowing what you can what is within control and what might appear to be on be beyond control might not be, but be clear and really figure that out. And the other thing is just um, what I'm going to call, for lack of a better term, micro victories. There you go. Little mini victories. Mm-hmm. Look for those. Look for and the savor small... them. <laughs> right. But also, the other thing, by the way, that sometimes seems beyond control is, um, and this is something that's interesting, is when I try to convince students that they've improved. You know, and you ever done this where you say to a student, oh, I think you've gotten yeah. a lot better, or do you think you've gotten better? And a lot of times you'll get a comment back like, no, I don't think so. Then have them say, well, what do you think about your classmates? And they'll go, oh, yeah, real obvious improvement. So that's an example of just reframing again, reframing a question, asking students to do something. But give feedback also so that students get a sense of what's happening and uh, you can move a little forward and find a little bit more positiveness in the classroom when you're feeling like it's, you know, there's nothing that you can do. Okay. Yeah, I think I think that's it. Got anything right. else? But that was that was a nice wrap up. I like that. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, we're still here. I'm not, I'm not depressed. And, uh, I think it's again. It's a uh, things are not as they appear to be, and you just have to get that real clear. That's for damn idea, sure. That's right? for sure. Things are never what they appear to be. It's always really- way more complex than you think. It really is. Mm. It's it's there are no simple solutions. Right. And that's by the way, just that's a great answer, by the way. When somebody says to you, Well, you know, we think you should do this and you say, Well, that's an overly simplistic solution to a very complex problem. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any other suggestions? <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Okay. So it's getting um by the time this podcast is on the air. Yeah, August first, it, it's the worst of the worst. The middle hot of the- and humid, and I will be in the United States. Oh. Right, yeah, on a little on a road trip. We're looking forward to dog. your feedback and your comments. I'm looking forward to this trip too. I, uh, it's going to be really nice. It's three weeks, actual real vacation for the first time in a long time. Nice. Yeah. How about yourself? Um, I'm going to be in Chicago for a little bit, and I'm going to be in Europe for a little bit uh, on the. River oh, Danube, doing, yeah. You're doing the cruise. Yeah. Do they still have water in the Danube? Um, hoping so. <laughs> <laughs> they have they have buses as alternatives, as alternate <laughs> transportation to get you from place to place. Because <laughs> yeah, well, in the I'm, summer it gets warm, and the, the water if there's not enough rain, the water level does go down, and you might get shuffled onto uh, a bus. <laughs> how many days on that trip? Uh, I think on the boat is ten days. Oh, how nice! Yeah. How nice. Which city are you looking forward to the most to visit? I'm pretty ignorant. So I don't, I'm looking forward to it all. I can't distinguish starting off in Budapest and ending up in Prague. Oh. Uh, yeah, I know. Poor what me. What a great, poor you. <laughs> well, you can, uh, yeah, I know you're not, you don't care that much on the beer, but. Uh, well, I, I do. It just. Pilsner Urkel. The tap. Sufu, right? Draft is pretty good. I like that. I like that. I remember that back in 1982. That's when I was in Prague the last time. So I'll look forward to hearing from you, too. Yeah, good pills is good. I'll take all my, my gout medicine. Okay. <laughs> all right, Tony. So let's close this off. Yeah. My name is Charles Wiz. All righty, Tony Silva. Two teachers talking. Thanks, everybody. And thank you, Tony. All righty. You too, Charles. Bye. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your welcome. <laughs>